0: Who do you turn to for advice? Sometimes your best friend's brother's cousin's aunt just isn't good enough. What then? Ask Sarah. In the same tradition of Dear Abby, Sarah is a gently blunt, practical, and wise advisor who brings with her a wealth of personal and professional knowledge coupled with gentle humor. Sarah offers inspiration and advice to help you live more fully and powerfully in your own life. Tune in every day to connect with the information and ideas you need to hear. Well, hello and welcome back to another segment of Sarah Says. I'm delighted to be with you and uh, even more delighted to visit with my guest today, who is a returning guest uh, to my show, certainly new to Sarah Says. Uh, You know, there's a phrase that the only difference between a rut and a grave is the depth. And I believe that's so true, and it's so easy for us to get into habits that uh, hinder us, that hold us back, that keep us from achieving our goals and dreams and objectives, and you know, these habits are built in sometimes. They're hardwired from when we're young. And my guest today, Ava Engbert-Heron, is the creator of the Beam Life process. And I've been fascinated with her and her work for a long time. And she uses body-centered healing and recovery techniques. And she really works with her clients to help them find relief from anger and social anxiety, addictive behaviors, and the patterns of thinking that keep them from moving forward. And so she agreed to spend some time with me today. She uh, released a book recently called Beyond Recovery, Getting Unstuck from Life-Limiting Habits. And so she um, uh, is joining me today. So if you would, uh, let's welcome her to the show. Ava, thank you so much for coming back to the show and visiting with me.
1: Well Sarah, thank you so much for having me back. This is just Exciting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is for me, too. If you would, I know I gave folks the mini-synopsis of who you are, but if you'd spend a moment and just share with folks a little bit more about you and what brought you to the point where you really got into the um, uh, the work that you do.
1: Well, I'm in recovery myself, and I was in recovery for 16 years and still crazy. And it wasn't until I stumbled on the idea of body awareness that I found relief, and uh, I learned how to relieve quote-unquote, the craziness, all the anxiety and anger and so on uh, for myself. And I recognize that, uh, wow, we have so much in our bodies that we just don't know. And unless we release it, it's really hard to change any kind of behavioral habits.
0: You know, you, uh, in this book, I have to tell you, I know as, an author myself that you changed titles. I loved, uh, I understand you know, the marketing aspect here, but I loved the thought concept between your original title, which is called uh, The Doom Loop. And in your book, uh, for those who will be listening and who should grab a copy of it on page 7, you have a picture of The Doom Loop and you talk about that. And uh, you know, we do all feel crazy from time to time. As a matter of fact, I, I felt a little crazy myself this morning. I mean, just like. Life is complicated, and it's hard uh, on top of that when we're struggling with, as you say, addictive behaviors or the kind of habits that hold us back. So uh, let's talk first about addiction and recovery. And, you know, you made a comment in an email exchange that we had where you said beyond recovery um, is much more than just being clean and sober. Would you elaborate on that?
1: Well, I mean, those 16 years, I was clean and sober. I, I worked the steps. I belonged to several different 12-step programs. I, I desperately tried to heal, quote-unquote, because I had two little kids that I was hurting by screaming and reacting constantly. And I was clean and sober. And uh, I, I uh, spoke to my therapist, and, why haven't you given me medication? I mean, my goodness, I'm screaming. And it was just insanity all over. But I was clean and sober. I didn't drink. I didn't use any kind of mood-altering drugs, and I was stir-crazy. So with that, and and she said, you know, I can give you medication, but if I give you medication, I I give you an umbrella. You won't feel the rain, but you won't feel the sunshine either. And I I just froze, you know, and said, so when I close the umbrella, have I ever figured out how to deal with the weather? And she just looked at me and smiled and said, nope. So for me, beyond clean and sober means truly to figure out how to deal with the weather, so to say, how to deal with the internal weather.
0: And wouldn't you say that that's the biggest struggle? I mean, whether you're struggling with an addiction or anger or insecurities or whatever. It's how we feel. It's those feelings and again, you know, I'm such a huge fan of emotional intelligence. We don't know what to do with, as you say, I love that analogy, we don't know what to do with the weather and so... um, you know, I have friend after friend after friend who is, they're on medication because their doctor is diagnosed them as being depressed or whatever. And while those conditions are real and exist, and um, no one should ever quit their medication without working with their doctor, uh, how many people, and I don't have the answer, how many people are, are taking drugs, be, but they can't feel the pleasure but they're trying to hide from the pain so I love the thought that that recovery is way more beyond clean and sober and you know you said it in your book again I just love this book and I was so delighted when I got a copy of it um, that um, you had to get off the hamster wheel of this loop of of, of the fear and the irritation and the anger and all that so uh, you're talking about life limiting habits and what are the i mean can you you know just enumerate just a few of the life limiting habits that that y- you're thinking about when you use that phrase
1: well it's it's what we, it's like our behaviors you know how um, like our thought processes and even the doom loop that I was in I was totally socially blind for many many years and I didn't know how my own behavior affected others and, you know, just that in itself is very life-limiting because you're social you have no social life. If you're in business and you behave any kind of awkward, you have no business life. I mean, it's really, you know, it, it's bizarre to not know how we come off to other people. You know, that blindness in itself, and with PTS and with a lot of trauma and things in our lives, we're running on high. It's like our gas pedal is in the bottom and we're stepping on the brakes, and we're so consumed with ourselves and how we feel that there isn't much attention on anything else. So that in itself becomes life-limiting, just our behavior in any area.
0: You know the 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 comment that you made in one of the emails that we were exchanging was that these life limiting behaviors can go undetected for years How is that possible and can you give an example or tell a story about that
1: so. <laughs> oh, well. It's just my own personal experience. I, you know, we're so socially perfect here and we're so, so socially appropriate that no one would ever come up to me or maybe someone else and say, you know what, it, it's really inappropriate to say what you just said or in a helpful manner kind of give us a cue why, you know, we may come off awkward or something. That, you know, so, so you can go for years. And, I mean, I hung out with a swim team and with this team and with that team with my kids were growing up. Really not knowing that I may come off tense or a little abrasive or anything. That just makes people uncomfortable. You know, and that's for me. Other people have other habits, a thought process, something in their life that they may not think about until they become self aware and recognize
0: it. Well, and as you say, you know, how many people do we know who are caught in a similar, as you phrase it, doom loop where they're stuck with these habits. But you're right, we are socialized to not correct other people when they're being jerks or assholes. So someone may be acting badly And I'm not going to go up to them and say, hey, I recognize that you're stressed today, but you're being a jerk. Uh, You know, I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard someone say, oh, that's just the way they are. That's just Uh how they are. And so we're, we aren't, but again, you, you also don't know how that's going to happen or how that's going to play out. What's going to happen when you do say something, it could, it could go either way. So this is really where we go to the next part of your book, where you talk about, when we begin to take 100% responsibility for our behaviors and our responses, that's when we're going to start seeing positive change in our life. Talk about that for a little bit. That is my mantra. I believe that we do have that accountability, but it's also a privilege because we, we can control so much more about ourselves than we think we can. So share your thoughts on that if you would.
1: I am so fortunate to have these people in my life that I can call and tell situations, and I get called on my stuff. You know, I have a spiritual teacher, Bonnie, who, who, yeah, but Ava, this is all pride in reverse. This is your part in this, and I don't see it. I can go blind, and, you know, uh, Roger Crawford said once, you know, blame makes you lame. The moment you blame someone else for your behavior, you lost your own power to improve. You know, it's regardless of what other people do, even if their behavior is, you know, not good, I am still responsible for my part. And often we can go blind because of fear or because of anything. Ya yeah, but, and we say, yeah, but, and then other people did this and that. So, and Bonnie is wonderful. She could just look at me and say, well, you know what? You just wear that as a plug of honor. You know, somehow you're you're a victim, and and I mean, it hurts. It hurt my chest, but at the same time, I knew she was
0: right. Well, and that's wonderful. No, that's one of the things in your book that I love is in the chapter five about A is for Attitude. You have a I'm, I'm going to just read it because I I don't want to paraphrase it. You say it may feel awkward and even threatening to take responsibility for our moods and action with no one else to blame or focus on. We are constantly guided back to ourselves, and uh, you know that's uncomfortable. I think most people can't be alone with themselves for that very reason.
1: And it hurts. I mean, it hurts to constantly recognize that, oh, shoot, I did it again. When am I ever going to start, you know, saying this or doing this? And it physically hurts sometimes in my chest when I, you know, you can't go outside yourself and say, yeah, but she did or but he did. You have to just sit almost in a meditative place and say, ouch, and then own it.
0: Yes, yes. and it is that pain. So, I mean, essentially, we're telling people you've got to go through the fire. You know, I know my own personal journey, I had no idea what I was doing, but like you, you know, you try and find wise people who can guide you. But the journey from, you know, you're hidden under the umbrella of either bad habits or, um, you know, pharmaceuticals or or drugs or alcohol or food or sex or whatever your uh, medication is to dull the pain at some point we have to face it and you talk about um, not just in your book but in the work that you do that becoming aware of our body and how we're feeling physically is the vehicle it's a path it's a platform that everything else is based on so would you talk about that for a moment
1: well, for me that has been it And uh, my clients, many of my clients Have, you know, 15, 20 years of recovery and, and they're just ready to go insane Because they haven't yet connected With their body And I just claim that due to personal experience too That if we are able to just sit Before we reach out For anything Whatever food, sex, whatever it is Or just rage Can we sit just still And, you know, that's when I use the stop-drop-check method It's just like Just stop for a moment in your day and scan your environment and check if you're safe. And if you are, just drop inside. How am I feeling in my body? And then check that. You know, and then it's like being in a tornado. And it's the same thing as you're out in the ocean and you have the real storm and weather on the top, but you truly sink into the bottom and it's quiet and nice regardless of what's going on outside. And then you can connect with yourself and recognize, oh, now I'm capable to respond to my situation and not only react. I was like a pinball for years. I just reacted on other people's behavior because I wasn't connected with myself. And that is often the cause of a lot of, of, of my clients. The moment they connect, it's like, ouch, this is weird, oh. I can see this really works.
0: Yes, and, and that's the thing I, I find most fascinating is when you're recovering from recovery, <laughs> I mm-hmm. guess, um, as you say, we have to face the pain. and And on top of whatever pain we're trying to escape from, we're having to face the discomfort of, of accepting 100% responsibility. So it's like layers of uncomfortableness here. It's a bold move on anyone's part to move past recovery. And for me, I was recovering from um, uh, uh, self-destructive relationships and, of course, was a food addict for a long time. Um, But I have to say, you know, the moment that folks began to practice accountability as you talk about 100% responsibility and then begin to follow the guidelines you lay out in this book uh, because you do lay out. I mean, the thing I love about this is that you're not just sharing your own story of, of pain and loss and helping people understand that you've know, you you've been there. Uh, you talk about success stories that some of your clients experience, the things that you've learned from other people, but also how someone can do the stop, drop, and check thing. And then What happens next, and you know I've talked about this before on many occasions, is that awesome feeling that comes with A, being accountable, B, beginning to feel like we're in control of our emotions and we understand what our body's doing, and then we have this sense of being present. So talk about that, that that exuberance that comes from beginning to uh, retake control of our lives, essentially.
1: you know, first you do something and you say, oh, shoot, I did it again. And then you get to the point when you're, oh, my goodness, I'm doing it right now, but I can't stop. And then you come to that wonderful place when you kind of feel in your whole body, you're just craving to do it, but you don't. And when you're there, when you're noticing, oh, here is the beginning of my behavior. Here is my trigger, and I'm not doing it. Can I just exhale it instead? And that's when you can stay present with yourself. And a lot of the codependency disappears because you don't have to control other people anymore to feel good. You can actually feel good on your own and stay in that present moment. And sometimes it's almost comical how you can feel your chest and feel your stomach and oh, all this discomfort and then just ah, exhale and recognize it has no control over you if you don't let it. And that's when you're present then you can be right there in your life and see what's going on and watch your brain and your thoughts saying, oops, I want to fix that, I want to fix that, I want this, 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 but I'm not. I'm just staying right here with me.
0: You know, one of the things that you mention in your book is you talk about how we don't always recognize. I mean when we're talking about life limiting habits that we don't recognize. Another I think the flip side of the coin is many times we don't realize the triggers that caused us to be that way and I not to be dramatic but say traumatic things perhaps. We did in your case you did have a traumatic thing happen. In my case I had a, a very volatile and traumatic childhood and I I think People don't recognize what the trigger is and and what it is that that brought us to that. And in the work that you do, you help people get back to the triggers. Do you you want to talk about that for just a moment? Well, this
1: whole idea that we have to go back into the dra- trauma and heal it and feel it again and build thick skin and all that stuff, I, I don't agree with it anymore. I spent six years in, in you know infant position, just kind of screaming in trauma. And, you know, what I learned from Dr. Peter Levine and and SE is that, no, we don't go into the trauma. We kind of just take a little bit at a time. And instead of throwing you in the hot tub and say, burn, you'll get used to it, we just scoop out a little bit at a time and release it and release it just as much as you feel comfortable and capable of doing on your own so that you don't feel overwhelmed by your emotions. And then by the time the hot tub is half full, it's lukewarm, and you can go in and take a look at it. But you don't have to suffer and be in pain. You can just do small little shifts and small little ripples internally, and you will notice that, oh, I can do this. And that builds the confidence that you can handle your internal landscape.
0: You know, one of the things in your book, and and we've certainly had these conversations as well, is you talk about the importance of mindfulness, but you also talk about the importance of maintenance. That as we begin to move forward, uh, not losing ground, and part of that is is being aware of how we're filling our time and our purpose in life, and and that kind of thing. I'd love for you to elaborate on that.
1: Well. I don't think you you reach your destination ever in self-development you know it's all a journey no. and I really you know I really believe that we need to be mindful and aware daily you know just have a daily practice to maintain uh, you know to become a decent human being and maintain a way of behavior and well-being you know it takes daily practice and you know to get a support system I have Bonnie a wonderful spiritual teacher. I have another peer teacher in S E, Meg, who I can call when when I'm down or when I'm freaking out, I can pick up the phone and check these people and say, Where is my blind spot? What is it I'm not seeing? And just to maintain because I truly believe that we move from plateau to plateau. So if I want to become more aware and more enlightened and more spiritual or whatever it is I want to become, I have to maintain the level of consciousness I have now and I have to try to strive to stay you know always willing to learn more
0: you know as we talk about growth I mean certainly my personal growth journeys is- started in 1998 so we're looking at nearly 20 years and I feel like I might be close to halfway <laughs> where <laughs> yeah. I want to be I mean you're right I mean y- you don't know what you don't know and then when you know better you you want to do better and so as you become more aware and enlightened and attuned so to speak um then you begin to see, oh, I could do better here or I could do better there. But I will say for anyone who's listening, the beauty of this process that Ava has written about and that she and I, you know, are on our own separate journeys to that, there isn't a sense of defeat that comes with it. And this is the difference. Would you agree, Ava? This is the difference between regular recovery and going beyond recovery. There's as you go beyond recovery and you're working to build this life you've imagined, it's, it's that you're on a journey, but that you're not failing because you're not there. There's a sense of, of continued um, growth. and, And it's a, it's a whole different thing than just, okay, now I'm clean and sober again today. So what? Would you agree with that?
1: I, I do. Uh, I, I read a book, Hawkins' book once, that instead of thinking of, I am a product of my past, so I'm kind of stuck with myself, you know, like a clay on the wheel and that's who I am. Instead, he says that we human, we strive for enlightenment like the sunflower, and we will move and turn around the corner if we have to, to continuously reach for the sun. And I like that better because it's it's a constant journey, and it's not like I have to get better or I, I have to. It's more of a, huh? <laughs> you know, a yeah. softer kind of journey where I, how can I, how can I be today? How, what can I unfold to just not become better, but just become more enlightened just become kinder nicer yeah and more it's about becoming
0: more and you know one of the things that you again talk about in your book and i just can't tell you how much i enjoyed reading it is you have a section that talks about authenticity and i don't think anybody would argue that i'm a pretty i i term myself as disappointingly transparent so i'm (laughs) i'm pretty much i am i i have learned as i got older, to just be who I am and embrace that. And you talk about the power, um, you talk about, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to read this little thing. If we want to capitalize on the progress we've made, we need to remind ourselves that uh, it's a good idea to show up as we are. And that doesn't mean that we have to tell everybody the worst thing we've ever done or um, expose our weakness. It's just that we show up accepting ourselves for who we are. Can would you talk about that as part of this this process that we're we're working on?
1: In in my own journey it's almost like self acceptance is necessary to be able to show up as we are. And if we you know self doubt, the low self worth, low self esteem, all these other words you know, it shows. It shines through our behavior. You know, oh, 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 don't worry about me. You know, I'll, I'll eat the broken cookie. I mean, our, our whole thing. You know, we behave like this little, little punit person. And I believe self-acceptance doesn't mean you walk around with your nose up in the air, but with your head high. And you can just be who you are. And you don't need to impress people. You don't need to, you know, there is no need to click or or connect with certain people. You're more kind of, ah, you can be who you are, and then that way you'll you'll attract the right people. And you don't have to lie or make up stories about yourself. Uh, The challenge is often that, hmm, Am I good enough to just be who I am? You know, that's the biggest question It's oh, all that stuff in my past, am I good enough? And yes, you're good enough to be just who you are. No one can be you better than you. So just be that. And then notice, yes, there is some fear, there is some discomfort, but then when you land in that nice radical self-acceptance, okay, this is who I am and... I'm okay with that.
0: Then,
1: you know
0: yes well before we run out of time I want to uh, be sure that folks know how they can connect with you directly you are I just think a a shining light in terms of um, being a great coach and a mentor to folks who are looking to make this journey beyond recovery so for those folks who uh, whether they're struggling with um, chemical addictions or behavioral addictions or uh, whatever no addiction at all they just have some bad habits they want to work through how can they reach out to you directly and Uh, secure either a copy of the book or your services as a coach
1: well directly um, my number my phone number is 510-825-7574 and please give me a call my website is beamlifecoaching.com and it's all connection on there and my email is ava at beamlifecoaching.com I would love
0: to hear from you well it's just such a pleasure and as a reminder folks those links if you're listening to this while you're driving or not near a pencil the links to Ava's website is on the uh, blog talk radio show page and you can also connect with us on Facebook where it is under uh, Sarah Z says S-A-R-A-H Z is in zebra says S-A-Y-S and Beam Life Coaching is B-E-A-N lifecoaching.com Ava, what a delight I can't tell you how much I appreciate you spending the last half hour with me and I look forward to having you on the show again in the future
1: Sarah, thank you so much for having me on I I love talking with you and um, I, I just love this so thank you so much for having me back
0: it's my pleasure. And, folks, we appreciate you tuning in. I uh, have folks like Ava on the show because I want you to be more powerful. I want you to have uh, the information and resources that you need to live your best life. And so as part of giving you wise advice, I want to connect you with the folks who I think have given me wise advice as well. So, uh, again, want to remind you, you can connect with Ava directly. You can email her at Ava, E-V-A, at beamlifecoaching.com or you can uh, uh, visit her website and until we get together again my dear friends I want to remind you that you have been zinked